Welcome to Theology Episode 8. I am your host, Theo. Uh, welcome, everyone. I hope you guys have a good week. I would like to start today's episode by extending my deepest condolences for people who lost their lives uh, in the Beirut explosion. I was uh, watching a lot of uh, videos that were released afterwards or during the explosion, which felt super unreal. I can't imagine what people must have felt in that time. Uh, and because we don't get, we're not used to watching things happening because of the accessibility of um, cameras, we're now privy to see lots of bad things while they're happening. And so we get to react right away. It was super painful to watch it, like children's being scared, uh, men hiding, women crying, and like people were just living their lives and suddenly this bad thing happens. And yeah, it's always sad to see people losing their life because we all get up in the morning having all these plans for our lives, but also just for the day. I'll do this, I'll run this errand, and I do this and that, and we take life super seriously, and everything matters to us, and next thing you know, you realize that you're not in control, and death can come easily, like losing your body parts and losing your material possession and everything is just it's just a reminder that we should live live life uh, as if it's our last and we should be thankful and appreciative that we are alive and i just want to say how sorry i am that people have to go through that uh yeah that experience and uh, yeah it's not nice for people to go through that um, and I wanted to talk about a little because um, Beirut is nearby uh, Ethiopia and there was this uh, insurgent like uh, lots of women went looking for a job in Beirut and traveling there became somehow easy access to young women and um People my age, they just grew up to be 15 or 16 and they would just go there to become like nannies and uh, uh, maids in other countries. And the easiest and maybe the cheapest was Beirut. And I realized that uh, lots of women would also suffer through this uh, explosion and I think one of the videos that I've seen was a black uh, lady like trying to protect uh, the kids that she was watching over and I remember how uh, the news um, will forget about these ladies who are there looking for a better life and then they're just dead or they lose their body parts and then the rehabilitation and the rebuilding of uh, a country, these women are always um, forgotten and they're not mentioned in the news. 
And also, I think the the most problem we have for Ethiopian girls working in the in the Arab world is that uh, because they travel somehow illegally, but also maybe legally, and then not have the right paper afterwards, it runs out, and they're always um, suffering through this bad labor laws. And that's not mm, that's not made to protect their working uh, environment. They're always like um, suffering, like physical abuse, mental abuse, sexual abuse, uh, being underpaid, not being paid at all, and not being able to leave the country through. Um, yeah due to the lack of paper that they own and in time like this when um, catastrophes happen these people are always forgotten and it made me really sad thinking how um, I know like few women from where I used to live that went there uh, including one of the girls that was like sort of my nanny who lived in Beirut and I couldn't get a hold of her and it made me very anxious and like the not knowing is always uh, heartbreaking in times like this and I do hope and pray that they're all fine and that they won't be forgotten be it by the Ethiopian government or by the Beirut um, authority that they get to be looked after before um, like after the rebuilding starts and uh, yeah I just wanted to say that to start with um, it took me a bit longer to do this episode because it's been one of those weeks that is like a, sort of like emotional roller coaster uh, I was very happy, but I was also confused and I had a lot of thoughts in my mind uh, because the joy comes from the black skin being released. I am, I don't know, I like, I'm a very, I, I'm a super fan of Beyonce and her works. Uh, I like how she grew with me. Like she was a pop when I was into pop and then she was like a strong woman uh, when I grew to be a woman. <laughs> and she's sort of pan-African when I became sort of pan-African. And I just like how she grows with me. And I appreciate that very much from an artist who show growth and change in their artistry. And when they're not uh, stuck in that loop where it's all about money and popularity and what sells. And when they have enough money, then they're like, okay, I'm going to do what I like. To that extent, Beyonce takes us through her journey. And it's such a beautiful journey. It's, fi it's filled with colors and lots of symbolisms in her art. Uh, Black skin is not that of a surprise coming from her production because we have uh, seen what she did with Lemonade uh, how she um, channeled her pain into uh, her 
through her art and we got to experience her visual artistry through that album and now when the Lions King was released I did not uh, purposefully listen to the soundtrack as often as I would usually to her projects uh, because I always knew that the Black King would come and it will blow our minds and it did deliver and uh, I heard like comments like it uh, glorifies Africa and Africa is not like that and you know people have a lot of things to say about it even before watching it but I feel like it's one of the things that you need to watch like four times as I have done five or seven times by now because it has so much symbolism it has so much representation in it and it's always nice to sit on a project before you start like commenting on it and what I like about it is like one visually it's so fulfilling just to watch like lots of black people uh, shown in a different light and uh, the art of the hairs and the clothing and like the wardrobes are so beautifully done it has so many representation from different parts of Africa the symbolisms are it feels like it was well studied like I've seen a lot of uh, things that I recognize from different parts of Africa like the hairstyles and one of the things I like is the 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 use of pipe that she uses in one of the videos it reminds me of one of the African tribe uh, especially Ethiopian uh, the Mursi how the women just sit and smoke with this long pipe and then uh, that I really appreciated. My favorite is obviously uh, power is so beautiful. Like the women that are in it are so beautiful and the word, everything about it is so nicely done. I appreciated how she, the, the song about the river, let's meet at the river. Uh, that's one of the things I love because uh, growing up in Ethiopia, there's always a lack of water because we don't have tap water and women just go there, like go to the river and the river is life. And that's when uh, you, you do your washings, but also like sort of socialize with other women. It's sort of our therapeutic like it's a therapy office like where you go to the water because you have to walk long long walk maybe an hour or two for some in in term in, in in different cases and there you spend all your day washing your children and talking about your marriage and talking about social and cultural things that are happening in your neighborhood and women are always and, and as much as it's a hard work to be a woman, but it's also like they're the backbone of a community. And it's sort of, it's it's such a nice way of interpretation. Like whenever she told, she tells it in a, and let's meet at the river, let's have this fun and everything. And I, I like that very much because it reminds me of women who used to do that. And it's so it's so nice to see that in, in a big and in the world, like to, for the world to see it and we get to talk about it as well. Uh, first, it's always fun, but at the same time, like it kind of reminds me uh, how there is like 
lack of water and how women have to carry water I just it just feels so you know appropriate for me in my view because yeah it's all it's yeah it's it's a reminder and I like how there's different types of colors a colored women like different shade of women and it, I yeah I'm speechless about it because I love it so much uh, that was the height for me I can talk about it like for hours in terms of film filmography. Uh, I don't like the storytelling, but it, obviously it's a Lion's King story, so it's not supposed to be very deep because after all, it's just uh, uh, a cartoon. And so, uh, yeah, she did a great job. It brightened my day and it brightened my week. I listened to the music a lot. I danced a little. Uh, I cried a little, like when uh, the black brown skin girl makes me cry a little. But for the rest, it's such a beautiful experience. And it introduces uh, the world to African artists and the African talent. Uh, the world, the wording we use, like, I like Jealous Me. I That's such a beautiful song. And like seeing Tiwa Savage and Yemi Holiday, it's so cool uh, that they get to be on Disney+. <laughs> Plus because we might not if it wasn't for Beyonce I don't think we would have seen this much talent shown in the world stage and I love it when globalization is done right because we always uh, see Africa in a bad light and people don't even know there are different countries in Africa Africa is a continent and so she did a really beautiful job bringing the two worlds together. And I hope other artists follow suit and they do the same for other talents and introduce them to the global market. Because at the end of the day, art represents a development music sell and it's a business. It's a huge business. So if we want to see... Africa change, uh, Africa being developed, it's in every sector. And when a talented artist like Beyonce gives their platform for up-and-coming artists or artists from different continent, um, the continent in general profits from it. And also the world gets to experience new music, new culture, and your ears will learn new, like it's like a new palette, you know? And if imagine if this week our only consumption was a story about cardigan, how boring would that be? And to that uh, sense, I'm very happy to see all this beauty represented in the world stage. And uh, I hope you guys also enjoyed it. And for those of you who haven't seen it, I don't know. Please go see it because it's such a blessing for yourself. For Amharic speaking people, we also got uh, a song from Teddy Afro, one of the prominent artists from Ethiopia. He's one of the best and very intelligent kind of artists we have. Uh, he never disappoints uh, anything that I would criticize about him would start from 100 and because he makes us he gives us this beautiful art every time he comes out 
Um, it's kind of difficult for me to say anything about his music except that it made my day and my week. I've listened to it very... I listen to it a lot and it's uh, beautiful. I wish like all most people could speak Amharic or other languages because other artists and like the world has so many uh, expressions uh, that how they express love and sadness and everything that happens in humans lives artists have like beautiful expression and they represent our pain and our joy and he's one of that, those artists who describes love in a very beautiful light and this song was about Abai and how it's a pride for our country and how it's a uniting power. Uh, we could, uh, well, my the only thing I didn't like about it is that he used this uh, music collection that we call them community music, directly translated, which means no one knows who actually wrote them, but they've been around for a long time and any artist can use them without paying copyrights for them. And uh, so... Uh, I don't like it when artists tinkles with them because I think they are perfection as they are. And uh, sometimes, yeah, like a Rofnan is a DJ that uses uh, traditional music and he puts it into this ADM format and he creates this beautiful genre of Ethiopian music that we have never heard before. So in that sense, I like it when artists play with them and play with the instruments we have. But if you're just doing it the way it is and you put it in a reggae or other genre, it kind of loses the beauty that it has. Uh, but yeah, uh, you can't really say much about Teddy Afro. Not, well, you could, but I can't because I really love him. And as much as I'm not like a stan for, for anything, I like lots of things and I enjoy them a lot. But I might say the only, um, my only uh, weakness for an artist would be for Teddy Afro because he's, he's an amazing, an amazing artist. I wish he just released a new song rather than using the old one. And it just felt like a bit rushed, maybe. Um, but the worlds are beautiful. So, like, I don't know, I'm kind of 50-50 about it. But, yeah, we had Teddy Afro this week for Amharic-speaking uh, people. I loved it. Um, the two, the Beyonce Blackest King and the Teddy Afro Damo Abai made my days. Uh, I had an experience where like, I had a talk with a trans friend of mine, uh, me and my girlfriend. We went to visit her uh, where she is staying at the moment. She's waiting for her paper status to come. And while she's staying in this camp, she's facing some sort of uh, transphobia and homophobia and her transition is not going well. Well, I can't say well because she's getting a hormone, but not really. And she's not getting the psychological support that she needs. And uh, it's just a mess when it comes to trans or LGBTQ people living in, as it say. And you would think like when you come from 
a homophobic and transphobic community and you're searching for safety, you would get it. But that's not how the world works. And it always it's always like a curveball that you're just dealt a bad card and it just continues year after year. And uh, she's uh, she said she's 40 years old and I really hoped and wished that her struggle was over when she left Jordan. But it seems like it doesn't stop. The challenge always continues and she must fight again. And it's always maybe a different kind of fight. And maybe she has more support and more freedom in the Netherlands. But uh, the... I don't think the migration system, the immigration system is uh, clear until you have paper or you become citizen, then you're part of the community and that would bring uh, challenges like job or education, like uh, normal problems that black people or refugee people face. But while you're waiting, when you don't know when that will stop, it's always waiting uh, if the a safety measure is not uh, set up if your transition is stopped whenever or, you know, it's not you're not clearly in the process of becoming who you are, then it's just hardship on top of hardship. What made me sad about her story was that it wasn't special. Like, as like she was telling us this horrifying story, what she went through back home, and also uh, uh, what happened to her in the camp that she was staying. She was threatened with a knife, and it was like she had to go to a police, but uh, there's nothing that has been, uh, that was done for her, and she's still living in this uh, dangerous and like life-threatening space and there was nothing I can do or there was nothing my girlfriend could do about it and there was nothing the police obviously can do about it as well and you would think that is not the case because now she's in a free country where being LGBTQ doesn't mean that you have to die and all her search for that freedom uh, still is there and it just made me very sad and it just, yeah, it's heartbreaking how some of us, we have to work extra hard just to get the bare minimum. Uh, at one point she told us she gets jealous when she see like women in uh, films or television just cry just because they saw something sad or like, you know, very simple, like how she wishes she had tears. And I just felt very, yeah, it, it's such a heartbreaking thing to hear when people, all they want to be is like accepted and loved and not to fear for their lives. And uh, people like the government or people who works for them keeps on failing them. And every time they are felt by everybody, then they continue to load their lower their expectation because they're expected to fit in this homophobic world and then the world doesn't give them an inch you know there is never a rest for her and it it's just uh yeah it's a horrible situation and uh, yeah I don't know I, I can't 
I can't, I, like, I don't want to talk about her story so much uh, other than the one that is published in a magazine and the fact that I feel very useless because I can't do nothing for her except maybe be there for her. And I'm sure, like, the being there, she probably has friends and stuff, uh, people that she can talk to, but practically the lack of... Uh, the lack of a medical or medical services and like the hormone physically changing, but also like the fact that she went through this horrifying life altering experience and she doesn't get like the psychological support that she deserves. And that's just, that's a failure f in any part. And I, I don't know, uh, I wish it wasn't so, but yeah, that is so... And I wish uh, the world can see them and can make things better for them and like at least give them enough information that they're fine and they don't have to feel small because they're now in a better country. I wish there was more we can do for them. Um, but uh, yeah, for the moment, it's just, it's not fair. I'll just say that uh, it's not fair when people just want to be themselves and they're not allowed to uh, because of homophobic people. And I don't know, as much as people can heal people, people also kill people. And it just makes me very sad to see that she's still going through this experience. Um, I don't want to tell her story, but I would like to have her maybe one day to share her experience and her re resilience because yeah um when she's telling us like all this horrifying story right she just tells it as if it's just a children's book story the things that she went through and it just broke my heart how normalized it is to attack uh trans people just because and yeah the stairs when we were walking around people would just be looking at her and I joked as if, like I said, yeah, thank God you're taking the looks away from me. Uh, I just wanted her to feel comfortable, but it just felt like the 30 minutes we spent together. I just imagine how horrible it is for her just to be herself and she doesn't bother anyone. She's a beautiful, beautiful person, but the world doesn't think she deserves to get what is owed to her be it by God, be it by the government, and be it by ourselves. And if we don't like them, it's fine. It's that That's your choice. But the least you can do is like stop staring and stop saying homophobic things because life is hard by itself and your negativity doesn't help. And that's why you see a lot of people killing themselves, not because they're uh, weak or couldn't handle it, but it's just that that one tiny thing that you did that broke their back and that broke their spirit. And if you can't understand them, if it's not for you, as if that is a choice, but just keep keep your negativity to yourselves. They have enough problems. We have enough problems. We don't need to add your opinion. You don't have to tell what you think because what you think doesn't feed me doesn't do shit for me so just move on yeah i would like to have her on so maybe soon 
Um, thanks for listening. This has been Theology. Um, look after yourselves and just be like positive when the world is super negative. Think about people, how there are more people that's having it worse than you. But also don't think that you have to be strong for everyone. And like don't go through this strong women you can do it and in like whatever way because it's okay for you to feel down it's okay to take your time it's okay to do nothing and just relax because at the end of the day you are important and what your success your body success your mental health is a success for the world and just love yourself because everyone loves you i love you and i'll talk to you soon this has been theology Thanks for bearing with me. Bye. Have a lovely week.